Welcome. I'm Kasada Bowman. Today is a solo episode. No guest, just me discussing an article from Food and Wine magazine that came out last week. The article is titled, The Customer is Not Always Right. Customer entitlement at restaurants is at an all-time high, making work unsafe and unbearable for many in the industry. The way we think about hospitality needs to change. The journalist who wrote this article is Kushbu Shah. The article opens with a story from Chef Angie Marr from Beatrison in New York City from back in October. At that point, she had not reopened for indoor dining, outdoor only. A customer complained, or rather had a fit, and said, quote, I can't sit outside. I'm wearing Gucci. Shaw had me right there. She pulled me into the article immediately. If you've listened to earlier episodes, I've discussed this. That old adage of the customer always being right is exactly that. Old and a completely outdated way of thinking. Restaurants are no different than life itself. In my opinion, the energy and respect that the customer is giving is the energy and respect that is reciprocated back to them. This is not a one-sided exchange. The article included servers speaking out anonymously, saying they, quote, have to put up with abusive behavior from customers. This entire notion is absurd to me. That's not how I run my restaurant. My team knows that if a customer is abusive in any way, come get me so I can politely ask them to leave immediately, especially now during COVID. There's a quote in the article where a maitre d' from D.C. says, quote, most people who work in hospitality are empaths who want to nurture other people. Again, that hit me. I also covered that in an earlier episode talking about how draining it can be when you're on the floor serving customers because you can easily pick up on their energy, especially if you're an empath. And that energy can either be positive or negative and have absolutely nothing to do with you or the restaurant. It took me a few years to learn how to turn off my energy and heighten my sense of awareness. Now, knowing that, I can choose not to absorb customer's energy and guide my team to do the same. I'm going to read the next two paragraphs directly from the article to further give you examples of just how bad customer's behavior has reached, really peak levels. Quote, customers throw temper tantrums when service doesn't meet their personal expectations. Liz recalls the story of a customer who was so upset at the size of the free birthday dessert given to his daughter that he berated the staff until the cops were called. Another night, a patron came in demanding a seat at the packed bar. When the bartender was unable to magically conjure up space, the patron threatened to go to the corporate offices to, quote, Make sure she lost her job because she couldn't make people get up out of their seats for him. The article continues. Instances of name calling are quite common too. The owner of Biology in Philadelphia recalls a story of a customer berating a young employee who is black 
calling him a number of derogatory names and racial slurs, including the N-word, because he wasn't given his order quick enough. Jeffrey S., a server at a seafood chain in Connecticut, witnessed a woman scream slurs at his co-worker of Latin descent and call him an idiot repeatedly because she was unhappy with her wings. A lot of the employees in this article are anonymous. Obviously, they don't want to lose their jobs. In my opinion, more owners need to speak out about this publicly and most importantly, not accept this behavior. I've had to ask plenty of people to leave due to their behavior. Is it uncomfortable to do? Yes, it is uncomfortable. But in the end, people learn and spread the word. And I don't care about the loss of revenue from these abusive customers. Those aren't customers that I want. It's not the energy that I want in my restaurant. And it's one less headache that my team has to deal with during service. So in 2021, I hope more restaurants take a stand and don't put up with bad customers because the more places that speak out about it, the more we can change the industry standard. The article also does a good job covering money and entitlement. This is something that I battled at my restaurant, especially during the summer when we have more of a so-called Hamptons crowd. And there are many forms of this, not just people attempting to give me money at the hostess stand, trying to bribe me for a table. And then sometimes, depending on the person, they might feel embarrassed when I say I'm the owner of this restaurant. Your money's not necessary, nor will it get you a table here because we just don't have any available tables and you don't have a reservation. My point is, it doesn't always have to be that obvious. Just like racism, there are microaggressions with entitlement and money. Here's an example that just happened to me a few weeks ago. I was working the beverage service for a pop-up dinner hosted at our restaurant. A customer had a 20-year-old bottle of wine that he wanted us to serve him. With COVID, we don't open at the table anymore. We sanitize and wear gloves, etc. before opening the bottle at the bar, then pre-pour and bring to the table. So I knew as soon as I started opening it that the cork was disintegrating rapidly. Long story short, I had to interrupt my service, take time out from making all the other drink orders to triage this wine bottle. When the server brought the wine and bottle to the table, the gentleman who brought the wine said, did the cork give you any trouble? Then proceeded to laugh. This is how this guy gets off. He's what? The Dr. Evil of BYOB? That's money and entitlement and not caring about how you're affecting another person's life. In this case, how he affected my life. This article also covers tipping, how customers use their power when leaving a tip. I see this all the time too. Matter of fact, a few months ago, I implemented two things. Now at the bottom of our receipts, it says, if you forget to tip, an automatic 25% gratuity will be added to your credit card. Also, for suggested tipping on our receipt, it starts at 20%. And it's hilarious to see how the minds of some customers work when they leave 20 cents under the 20% minimum tip, like they're sticking it to the man. No. 
you're sticking it to the server who provided a service to you. And if you can't afford to eat out, which includes leaving at least a 20% tip, then don't eat out. This article also covers sites like Yelp that further empower customers. Again, I've mentioned this in other episodes. Review sites, for the most part, are BS that don't have a lot of respect from people in the hospitality industry. 99% of the time, it's a place for annoying people to complain. Example, they'll come to my restaurant without a reservation, can't get in, and promptly leave a one-star review saying the hostess was rude. Now, there is that 1% when actual meaningful issues can come to light on these sites. Perfect example is our last episode with Joe Rosenthal and the racist allegations that Prince Street Pizza is facing. If you're not familiar with the issue, I encourage you to take a listen. Also, keep in mind, these sites have a bottom line, like everything. They need to make money. They're constantly calling, asking for cash. Yelp, Google, all of them. They're aggressive with it too. I've had to tell Yelp numerous times that they're a complete joke and we don't do any advertising, period. Pro tip, don't use these sites. When I travel, I go by word of mouth. And if I need to use any social media, I go on Instagram. I look at the restaurant's profile and also the tagged photos. And usually I'm good to go. It at least gives you a start from there wander around, find a place where the energy resonates with you. Side note, take the time to look at a restaurant's website, menu, reservation policy, etc., before booking and showing up. Here's an example. Last weekend, a woman had a reservation. She arrived and was looking at the menu in our waiting area as our hostess was seating another customer. The woman then asked the hostess, where is this menu item? Referring to a dish that hasn't been on our menu in well over a year. She saw it on Yelp, posted by another customer. The hostess had to take time out of her already busy schedule to discuss this with the woman. In the end, she did not end up staying. The point is, time is precious. In a fast-paced restaurant, look at the menu before coming in. I take the time to update our menu every single time that we make changes. Why not take the time to browse before booking to see if anything truly interests you? All right, back to the article. I like that the article pointed out that when you enter a restaurant, it is quite literally entering someone's home and to show the same respect there as you would in someone's house. Also loved how this article touched on many customers not thinking that the hospitality industry is a real job. Breaking news. This is a professional career, not some transient job. I'm going to read two paragraphs directly from the article. Quote, I think the way they treat us just goes to show that they don't respect our jobs, says Abigail. Because they don't think this is a legitimate job. They think of themselves as better than us. She says she has been asked multiple times what she actually wants to do with her life. Liz says customers have written things like, get a real job on the tip line of receipts. They think these jobs are just for young kids or people paying their way through college, she says. A lot of us have mortgages. We have families. We operate extremely professionally. 
She rages at the idea that service work is somehow unskilled work. Can you navigate the psychological minefield of waiting tables while executing a dozen other tasks? So this is something that has really annoyed me for years. When I travel, I notice that it just isn't the same in other places. The first country where I really noticed this was Australia. For some reason, Americans mock this profession. Many of them look down upon it. I'm sick of it. We don't talk enough about how hard it is to do skilled manual labor and be a well-rounded person all at the same time. I've hired college-educated people who make more money at our restaurant than they did at their office job. The hospitality industry needs respect placed behind the profession. Listen, as a former journalist, I can tell you there are a ton of small markets that I worked in, and if it was all about money, then I should have been a server at a restaurant. And even in large markets now, in 2021, livable wage money is not flowing to every journalist. I'm sure there are some food writers right now that could go be a server and make more money. So again, why are servers, runners, bussers, bartenders, chefs, dishwashers, any and all restaurant positions not getting respect placed behind their profession here in America? If it's not about money, what is it about? Is it about where the service industry comes from originally? Slavery? America, let's expand the conversation, really discuss it and work it out so we can change the mindset in 2021. And perhaps this is why eliminating tipping hasn't been successful yet. It's like America and our industry needs to go to therapy. Perhaps all the attempts at eliminating tipping haven't worked yet because it's equivalent to getting out of an abusive relationship and jumping into a totally new one without processing anything. That new relationship could be awesome, but you didn't take the time to process your shit from the last one, so the next one isn't going to work. We need to process over 100 years of ideas, thoughts, slavery, cost of food, cost of labor, cost of health care that generations of customers are extremely attached to. Then we need to brainstorm and rebuild a brand new system and then re-educate everyone. It's a lot. So in the meantime, here's what I can put out there. My restaurant is on Long Island. If someone is listening and wants to work alongside a professional team where respect is placed on their hospitality experience, hit me up anytime. Even if I'm not hiring at that exact moment, I want to talk. Keep your info on file because passion for this industry is sometimes taken for granted. I don't come across it every day and I really appreciate when I do witness it. I'm not some restaurant owner that isn't there. Most times in food media, the public tends to see and hear from celebrity chefs and wealthy celebrity owners or investors, and those people are rarely even at their restaurant. I work every day alongside my team. I'm a barista, a bartender, a runner, a busser, a server. We all run the place together. And this is the case with the majority of small restaurants in this country. They're just like ours. We have an open kitchen. My husband is a chef owner, and I'm doing all things front of house as the other owner. And most media don't tell this story. Well, until the pandemic hit. 
and we all didn't get PPP loans during that first round. But the celebrity chefs and chain restaurants did get in on that first round of PPP loans. And they also got to go to the White House to demand on our behalf. But I digress. The point is, I really value people with a wealth of hospitality experience. I learn from them. We vibe off energy together. We learn together. When people are passionate, it's fun for all of us to work together, to crush a service. There's a magical element that the entire team feels when the day ends. And you know that as a team, each one of us played a pivotal role and worked well together. A great service can be like watching a ballet. It's an indescribable satisfaction. I know, I absolutely know that my description isn't doing it justice, but it's in those moments that you know if you're passionate about this industry, if you're meant to work in this industry, because often on those days you'll say, thank God I don't work behind a desk in an office or that I don't work at home remotely. You know, it's you enjoy the public. It's all about that dance. It's all about that service. And for people like us, we would be so bored sitting behind a desk. And that's when you know if this industry and if that job is for you. That being said, there's a balance to all that work. We also need to change our industry's outdated standards when it comes to a work and life balance. Example, for our team, one of the advantages is that we're open 9 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., no late hours, minus the occasional private dinner. In six months out of the year, we all have four days off a week. Our servers have had customers say to them, why aren't you open for dinner? Our team's response, the owners want to keep a healthy work-life balance. And customers have said to them, okay, we'll see how long they stay in business. The ignorance is beyond me that even people who are not in this industry have the mindset that restaurant life equals unhealthy, no balance, hostile work environment, a chef constantly yelling. No, it's 2021. No matter where your restaurant is located, you can create a work-life balance for your team. Obviously, working with the public can be draining at times. Even in the best work environment, the public is unpredictable. This article definitely highlighted that fact. So a balance needs to be put in place to counteract that sometimes draining effect. So anyway, go read this article, everyone. It's really well written. And let's make some changes to our industry in 2021 that can promote positivity and place some respect behind restaurants and the teams that work in them. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Have You Eaten Yet wherever you get your podcast.